It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is definitely someone who needs to write a memoir. Oh, wait a minute. She did. Hollywood legend Ruta Lee has written her story, and with an elegant title, Consider Your Ass Kissed. The book is available on Amazon, high on their charts, and all the usual places available as well. For everything about Ruta Lee, go to rutalee.com and follow her on Facebook. And Ruta, welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to be with you, Ira. Thank you very much for sharing your wonderful audience with me. Thanks. Absolutely. We have something in common which you don't know about. It's not the Thalians. It's not civic contributions. It's not even a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. No, what we have in common is that we both attended Los Angeles City College. (laughs) How wonderful of you to remember. That was so many thousand years ago. You know, and City College has remained a very interesting moment or a semester or three or four in my past um, because they had a great theater arts department and did very good shows, as did the high school that I went to, which was Hollywood High. And that was home to a lot of wonderful people, including Lana Turner and Alexis Smith and Carol Burnett and, uh, well, all kinds of good people. Stephanie Powers, one of my good buddies, also went to Hollywood High. And some of them went to City College as well, I think. Yeah, and the interesting part about it is you did a recent shout-out on YouTube to graduates of Los Angeles City College, so I, I had to put that in there. The most important question I have is, where do you get the energy? <laughs> well, I think maybe it's my Lithuanian roots. I'm not quite sure. You know, they were great polka dancers, and I think ener- that takes so frigging much energy, Ira, you know that. And, and I love, I always say that my very first movie job was the fabulous Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And I think the reason that I got that job, I'm not quite sure whether it was my mother's prayers on her knees in the church across the street from the casting department at MGM, <laughs> or whether it was my polka that got the job, but between the two, we made it, and I'm grateful to God for both uh, situations. The kind of life you've had, you could have written a memoir every decade that you were in Hollywood. You realize that, right? Don't mind the dogs. They're fine. We like dogs on our show. Yes, my puppies. (laughs) But you, you really could have written a memoir every decade you were in Hollywood. Why didn't you? In other words, you've waited for several decades to go by before you sat down and put pen to paper. Well, let me put it this way. I was afraid to. I never considered myself a writer. Oh, I, I gave good letters when, when it came to asking people for donations for the Thalians or whatever, but I was never a writer. And I got to say that without a doubt, it is the most painful procedure to go through. And I admire those people who can sit down and write a book year after year after year for a living. I I think it's incredibly difficult. I also found it difficult to find where to stop in telling my stories. And now that I look at at the book as it is in, in Consider Your Ass Being Kissed, I think that 
there are so many more stories to tell that I'm going to have to do a sequel, you know? No doubt about uh, it. And uh, I gave very short shrift, just one paragraph in the book to my grandmother and her life and uh, experiences, you know, as an old lady in, in Siberia, being shipped off to Siberia and her, her husband's legs, my grandfather's legs being frozen on the cattle car that they were deported on uh, when they stopped at a way station and took off his boots, uh, the, the flesh came up with it, gangrene. Uh. It, it was a horrendous experience, and she spent 15 frigging years in Siberia, and um, finally when I got her to America, she dropped to her knees on the tarmac and kissed the ground you know, of America and said, Hello, America, Achudieva, which is thank God. And I think this is a story that needs to be much more broadly and universally broadcast because I'm so terrified that, that we have become very self-indulgent in America and feel very entitled to everything. And she just thought being here in the land of the free was so important. And I cannot help but feel that that needs more emphasis and more stress, and that's a book in itself. It's an amazing story because you convinced Nikita Khrushchev at the time to release her from the Soviet Union. And yes. that must have taken a lot of gumption. You, you had to pull a lot of strings, I'm sure. No, no, it didn't take a lot of gumption. It took a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> or vodka, maybe. <laughs> I, vodka was a very good idea, too, but I went out with friends that night. We had, uh, you know, I had tried for 15 years... Uh, 12 years, I take it back, to get my grandmother out of the Soviet Union. I mean, because then it was all those satellite countries, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, uh, uh, Estonia, Czechoslovakia, were all under the Russian communist boot, you know. And I have nothing against Russians. I think they're beautiful, wonderful, generous people. It's the communism that sucks, as far as I'm concerned. So hard to get her out, and then when I found out she was dying... That's when I went out with friends, and the more wine they poured, the more obvious it became that I should do something outrageous. And what was that? Go ahead and make a person-to-person -person call to Khrushchev. Now, I don't know if you remember person-to-person, -person, Ira. Person-to-person, -person, You're probably absolutely. too young to remember. <laughs> no, I remember. It had to do with you had to pay extra. And oh, person boy, did person. you. You yeah. paid probably twice as much for the call, and in those days, long distance was expensive. Right. But if if you didn't get your party, you didn't pay. Exactly. It was great. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was wonderful. And so actually, I kept trying they... and trying and trying and uh, eventually got through to Khrushchev's interpreter, which is kind of astounding, you know, that this silly little Hollywood twit gets through, <laughs> you know. And, and, of course, the reason that it all worked like magic after I got permission to, to go to Lithuania, because unless you were a high Communist Party official, you couldn't go to any of those satellite countries. Maybe you could go to Moscow as a tourist, but not to Lithuania or any of the satellite countries. It's and an amazing story. When I got permission to take my mother and father with me, and they could have been detained there as primary citizens, it was miraculous. And I just said, you know, God is not going to do this to me. He's going to let me take them and let them see their family that they haven't seen in 35 years. It was quite an episode, but, well, you read about it in the book, everybody. Please, please, it's such a wonderful story. Yes, it's more than just a story about a person. It's also, as you say, it's about the difference between freedom and not freedom. And, so, you know, one of the things that I started to say, and then I get wrapped up in hearing my own voice, I think, 
uh, is that Jimmy Bacon, who was the head writer for the AP Wire services worldwide, was the Hollywood reporter for AP Wire. And he did a story on me that I didn't even read or see because I was on a plane heading to Moscow, then doubling back to Lithuania. And, you know, it said Hollywood starlet fights uh, Khrushchev and, and system and goes to rescue grandmother, you know, from Siberia, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, that caught world headlines everywhere from from China to Timbuktu, uh, you know, back to Paris and everywhere else. There was this story about young starlet goes to the Soviet Union to rescue grandmother. What else did the regime, the Soviet regime have to do but be nice to me when I was there? And yes, promise me that I could come back when she was able to fly because she wasn't well uh, and, and take her home six months later, which is exactly what I did. But uh, it was quite an adventure, and I was too young and too stupid to know how dangerous an adventure this was. But it, it sure worked, and, and with everybody's blessings and prayers, and of course, Johnny Carson followed it like the perils of Pauline. I had talked about it on the air several times because I approached every politico that I knew uh, and and got lots of sympathy, but no action. And then the one time that I pick up the phone and do something outrageous, it happened. So it it taught me a lesson, and it should teach anybody a lesson, and that is don't be afraid to try the wildest thing in the world to achieve what you need. That's a good lesson. Here's my take on you, Rudely. You seem to combine glamour and practicalness through the years, which is not an easy thing to do. In other words, you're very down to earth, and at the same time, you're in the land of Hollywood, and you went to Hollywood High, which says it all right there, and yet you're able to straddle those two worlds. You're in the Hollywood glamour side, and you're in the very practical side of things. Is that, is that what Well, you, you know, being that? of Lithuanian descent, there is a work ethic that I think goes with all of the Slavic and, and the people that came to America to live in the land of dreams, where where every street is paved with gold, you know, that was the and they all of these people, including my family, came with a very very strong work ethic. You didn't get nothing for nothing. You worked for it, you know. And I still have that, but I also have that feeling, Ira, that I grew up with when what the few movies that I got to see. Because remember, I grew up in Montreal, Canada, and you had to be 16 to go to the movies. But that didn't mean that I couldn't see the movie magazines and all of the stuff that kids adored, you know. And I've always felt like, oh, my God, movie people are like angels. They're, they're always dressed beautifully and their hair is done and their, their eyes are, are done with mascara and good things. And I always thought it's so glamorous and so pretty. And do you know that I have kept that feeling that I never want to go out like the kids of today and be so real that uh, it didn't matter if my, my jeans were baggy and worn. It didn't matter if I, my hair wasn't combed. It didn't matter if I had glasses and a babushka on. You know, I, I think it's kind of nice that your audience sees you the way they would like to be themselves if they're not and be kind of a bit of a guide. So I've always liked keeping that whole flame of glamour burning in Hollywood, and it is fast disappearing as far as I'm concerned, which is kind of 
kind of sad in a way. There's a bit but, of a um, there's a bit of a distance that you maintain that I think gives mystery to a Hollywood personality or actress or actor. Well, I, I, you call it distance. I, I think I'm the most accessible person. No, no, I absolutely, know. <laughs> absolutely correct. I don't mean non-accessible. I mean more. Everybody that's in Hollywood that is in that realm has a distance. In other words, I guess what I was restating in a very bad way what you just said, which is people look at you or others that are in Hollywood and they see something slightly different, something that they would like to aspire to, as opposed to you coming out, as you mentioned, with torn jeans and being... Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, every once in a while, I will, um, you know, run into a market or something uh, in in just a, a little nothing, a smock or something, because I, I I have to run between places, and invariably, someone will recognize my voice because it's very distinctive. It is. And then it's oh hell's bells! Why didn't I have my lipstick on? Why didn't I have at least a pretty scarf on my head? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> I can just imagine you're at you're at CVS and you're getting a uh, some kind of product and right next to you they, yeah. they hear you asking the person about this product. Go, Wait a minute, you're Ruta Lee, aren't you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and and it's usually the cashier that recognizes the voice. You know, <laughs> that's but, a pr- uh, pretty good deal. <laughs> anyway, I just sort of feel that way. Period. I, I'm not crazy about everybody being seen with rollers in their hair and and uh, you know. Well, I can uh, guarantee you, Ruta, that for this interview, I am not wearing rollers in my hair. <laughs> and there's no Thank holes in you, my Ira. <laughs> there's, no, there's no holes in my jeans either. So there you go. No, I, I dressed up for this one, Ruta, because it was you. Well, bless you. <laughs> now I hate to tell you this, but I'm still sitting. I'm in Palm Springs, California, at the moment, and I'm sitting in my little breakfast room. That's like a little sunroom. It is the most glorious day, very windy, I must say, today, but I'm still in my nighty. <laughs> <laughs> I have a new new movie for you to star in, it's called Seven Homes for Seven Rudas. Because, <laughs> Close, I've got yeah, four. <laughs> exactly, you're working your way up, I know. Let's take a break. My guest, Hollywood legend Ruta Lee, has written her memoir, Consider Your Ass Kissed. The book is available on Amazon, very high on their charts, and also all the usual places. For everything about Ruta Lee, go to rutalee.com and follow her on Facebook, and we'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You think you know Vegas? But how much do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Ma Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Ma Museum in downtown Las Vegas. More information at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Hollywood legend Ruta Lee. She's written her memoir, Consider Your Ass Kissed. The book is available on Amazon and all the usual places. For everything about Ruta Lee, go to rutalee.com and you can follow her on Facebook. And Ruta, the important question is this. I think you're the perfect person for this question. Is and was Hollywood real? 
Yes and no. What you see on film and and the glamour and the and the shoot 'em ups and the and the uh, uh, horse races and and you know all of that has a beautiful mystical quality that is unreal, but the work is very very difficult. Everybody that sees a movie thinks, oh, that I could have done that. That's easy. When you stop and think, dear friends, that every scene, if there's just, let's say it's you and I talking at a table uh, with coffee or a cocktail in our hand or whatever, there has to be the long shot of it. Now, the long shot has to match whatever you do on the closer shot. The hand has to go up on a certain line when you took the drink. When you set it down, the clank has to come in the same place. If you're stirring your coffee with a spoon, depending on what line you set it on, it has to come again. And you have to keep repeating that now on the close-up for you, Ira, and on the close-up for me. And it all has to match so that whoever is cutting the film together has the same action happening every time you do it. Do you know how difficult that is? That First of all, the script handler writes down to the best of his or her ability uh, matching things that, you know, you slammed your hand down on this moment. You have to match it again, again, and again, and again. And that's very difficult to do. And to keep the scene real and alive and with the same intensity or the same humor or whatever, it's not easy. And that though that could mean like... 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 shots, attempts at doing the same thing and, and matching it. Very, very difficult work, very tough to concentrate, and it takes tremendous discipline and tremendous stamina to be able to do that and still keep looking nice and feeling nice and keeping the energy up and the spark in the scene the same no matter how many times you've done it, not easy. So that's the hard part of working. And the hours are usually ridiculously long. And yeah, when you see the product, it looks smooth and gorgeous and your dress hasn't even creased, nothing's happened. (laughs) (laughs) But on the social side of Hollywood, that's a different realm as well. And I guess that too is a question whether that's real or not because... Clearly, you everybody works hard, and they socialize with each other, at least within the Hollywood community. And that's a different dynamic than when you're in one of your other homes outside of Hollywood where people are different. Would that be fair? Yes, it is fair. Uh, I am happy to say that humor is what is a standard that we all appreciate and carry and bear in show business. The laughter is wonderful. I don't think that insurance selling or shoe selling or any other business has quite the inside laughter that show business has. That's one great blessing. But I am happy to say that Americans all through the years until recently have had a fabulous sense of humor, Uh, very self-deprecating. People were not 
embarrassed to kind of belittle themselves in a joke and everybody could take a joke. Now we've gotten so frigging politically correct that I want to vomit. It's just awful. What happened to, to humor and poking fun at each other and having, you know, a, a spirit of loving camaraderie that is now gone? And thank God it still exists in show business, but God forbid you put it on film anymore, you know? I think at some point that pendulum will swing back because I don't think humans can go too long with that humorless, dour approach, which was evident in the Soviet Union, as an example. Our, from your ira, from your mouth to God's ear. And people don't realize it, but they, at some point they will. And if you bring back humor, you have freedom. If you don't have humor, you don't have freedom. It's that simple. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I'm still not going to wear those curls in my hair while I talk to you. So I just <laughs> want to make sure I know that. Thank you, God. <laughs> so, and of all, all the people you have met and been friends with in Hollywood, many of whom you write about in your memoir, who were the top three who impressed you the most? Well, of course, I have to say Frank Sinatra. I have to say Lucille Ball. And I'll have to throw into the, well, the two into the mix. Charles Lawton. Interesting. And Clint Eastwood. Interesting combination of people, or interesting selection of people, and you made it, I like the way you made my top three, top four. You could have gone top two, but I like it. I, I think that each, in their own way, added to my life and colored it in, in a way, some more so than others. Frank Sinatra, above all, Lucille Ball, you know, above all the ladies. Oh, I should have thrown in Phyllis Diller, too, because Good. she, to me, yes. was one of the loveliest people that I've ever known. And with, of course, a wild sense of humor that never quit. And I, I adored her. And also, very generous. The same with Lucy. Uh, and, of course, the king of generosity was Frank Sinatra. You mentioned generous Phil yeah, you mentioned to Phil a fault. You know, I mean, really wildly generous. Most people don't know uh, or ever will know the, the kind of things that he did for those who couldn't do for themselves, etc. Without credit, without any kind of hoopla. Um, an amazing man. Uh, tough, uh, highly volatile. He was wonderful with his fans. Always very gracious pictures, et cetera, et cetera. But he would really not be gracious if he was trying to put a fork full of pasta in his mouth and somebody slammed his hand down and said, oh, Frank, Frank, let me take a picture with you. You know, that would piss him off something fierce. And some of the people you mentioned are, well, let us say, were complicated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not all, but some. And Phyllis Diller, particularly, by the way, what very intelligent lady that people don't know that. I remember I had her on my show many, many decades ago, and she corrected a pronunciation of a word I said, which was great because we were on live at the time, and I loved it because she, she corrected me. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her for having the guts to do it to Absolutely. start with, you know, because you don't usually want to correct your host on something. <laughs> but but she, was, she was also one hell of a concert pianist. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I, I don't know that, well, I guess a few people knew, but the world generally didn't know. But, oh, she was just fabulous. I write about this in the book, that one of the funniest lines that ever happened was that I always said, I owe my whole career 
to B.F. Goodrich because we always assumed that large bazooms were sexy, you know. <laughs> and, and I don't have one bazoom between the two that I've got, you know. And so I've worn, I've, I've had to wear bust pads, you know, forever because they always added to the costume and so on and so forth. And I was saying that I owe my whole career to B.F. Goodrich. <laughs> and this was on stage, and Phyllis was in the audience, and she said, Ruta, you've worn... Whoops, the dogs are barking, sorry. No problem. You've worn so much rubber in your life, in your bra, that you erased what little tits you had. <laughs> well, you know, I, I continue to use that now whenever I'm doing something on stage because she just was so open and so marvelous about everything. And what a sweet woman. She adored my, my husband, Webb. Of course, everybody adored my husband, Webb. Debbie Reynolds got married to that last loser of a husband of hers because she said, he looked a lot like Webb. <laughs> oh, that's a great choice there. The <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, I think I'd better explain before we lose each other that the title of my book. I was about to uh, ask you, actually, so you were, you were reading my thoughts. Oh, good. Well, then we're on the same level Absolutely. here, my darling. Absolutely. It is an expression. Consider your ass kissed is meant with the deepest, most sincere loving gratitude for anything that anybody has done for me, whether it's turning on the television because I'm going to be on, buying a, a movie ticket because I'm on, coming to the theater to see me because I'm in a show in, in somewhere in your neighborhood or community, and above all to the people that have given me money for the Thalians which Debbie Reynolds was one of the founding members of, and, and of course she's like my, my dearest sister in the world. I miss her terribly. But she and I headed up the Thalians, which we called Hollywood for Mental Health, for some 60 years, 55 years, and still I'm still there. And people that have given me $5 or $50 or $500,000 from the stage, wherever it was, whenever I could, I would say, please consider your ass kissed. And I meant it deeply and sincerely. And if anybody gets prudish enough or blue-nosed enough to get, say, oh, that's rude, baloney. Look, all I can say is Jesus rode into Jerusalem on an ass. And if he could do that, I can kiss it. <laughs> and that's what I mean by it. Last question, but before, just about the Thalians, which uh, most people know about the Thalians. However, some people might think that they're an alien race in Star Trek. But it's actually <laughs> an organization that's been very effective over the decades. And you and Debbie Reynolds were the co-founders of it. So I wanted to get that out there as well. And last and important question, and that is, marriage in Hollywood is always a challenge, yet you were married for many, many decades. How did you make it work? With a sense of humor. My, my darling husband, uh, in fact, I put this in the book, my darling husband taught me something the first year that we were married. I'm always bouncing off the walls. He, on the other hand, is very laid back and, and quiet and gentle, wicked sense of humor, but very, very loving and kind and thoughtful of everybody. That's the kind of man he was. And the first year, all of us as young brides, 
get a little bit uh, mopey and kind of weird and teary if someone didn't answer your question right away or didn't return your call immediately or uh, didn't bring you flowers on a particular day for any reason. You know, there's always something that makes you think, oh, it's not working. And he said to me one time when I was a little bit pissy about something, he said, Ruta, is this going to be important at the end of the day? Are you going to remember this tomorrow at the end of the week? At the end of the month, at the end of the year, is it going to be important? And, of course, what could I do but laugh and say, absolutely not. And that's why we survived 46 blessed years without an argument in all those years. That's a great story. And why? Because we laughed. Yeah. We just laughed it off. You know, oh, yeah, you'd get angry about something and slam a door or whatever, and then you'd say, now, wait a minute, what, what did that really prove? Nothing, you know, it's not worth it. It's nothing is worth anger or stress. And our marriage was absolutely blessed by God. And, and I thank him every day. Well, that's uh, Or a... maybe it's I thank her every day. I haven't <laughs> quite figured out who God is yet. <laughs> that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Hollywood legend Ruta Lee. She's written her memoir, Consider Your Ass Kissed. The book is available on Amazon and all the usual places. For everything about Ruta Lee, you go to rutalee.com and you can follow her on Facebook. And Ruta, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your audience. And please do pick up the book. And if you do, and even if you don't, Consider your darling asses kissed. (laughs) Thanks for it. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Anything you want us to do.